is all that I can give to you. Love is more than just a game for two. Two in love can make it. Take my heart and please don't break it. Love was made for me and you. Welcome to Love Savers Radio, ministering the blessings of covenant. This is Walter and Sandy Fox from Love Savers Ministry, called by God to minister the blessings of the marriage covenant by enriching, encouraging, strengthening, and praying for the healing of marriages, especially marriages in crisis. Our program is sponsored by Living Water Church, located at 69 Industrial Road in Wainscott, under the leadership of Pastor Joe Kelly and his lovely wife, Margaret Kelly. Sunday services are at 10 a.m. with a pre-service prayer meeting at 9.30 a.m. Pastor Joe invites you to come and be refreshed. For more information, please call 631 537 2120. That's 631 537 2120. Let's talk about marriage, sponsored by Love Savers Ministry. This is Sandy Fox, ministering the blessings of covenant. Love can be defined in lots of ways, but in marriage, I love you really means I promise to be there for you all of my days. It is a promise that says I'll be there when you lose your job, your health, your parents, your looks, your confidence, your friends. Since God keeps his promises, we must keep ours too, especially the one we made before God, our family, our friends, and to each other when we said I do. I've heard the most important 15 words we can say are, I was wrong, I am sorry, please forgive me, I love you, I need you. If you want prayer for your marriage, please call Love Savers, 917-804-5034. That's 917-804-5034. And remember... Love never fails. 1 Corinthians 13.8 This is the second part of our interview with Erin Smalley. Many wives blame their husbands for the state of their relationship whenever things go wrong, and they explain the impact of blame and conversely of honor on individuals in a relationship. So how does a woman's self-esteem affect her ability to honor her spouse? And what if a wife doesn't believe that her husband deserves to be honored? I have actually said to them, well, do it in the name of the Lord. It, you know, right. don't, because they also always say, well, you know, I have to wait until he deserves it. Well, exactly. I mean, I think you got to give the respect and honor, you know, as unto the Lord, you yeah. know, until you can get him to come yeah. around and deserve it, right? What do you have to say about yeah. that, Erin? And, you know, it's a, it's a mindset, it's an attitude of uh-huh. honor, uh-huh. and we have to first, first and foremost see that we are valuable because the Lord says we are. And, you know, as a woman, again, we can't give what we do not have. So how we view ourselves is going to impact how we view our husbands and our children even. And so, you know, spend time, if you're if you're struggling with this and not feeling valuable as a woman, you may not even be aware of it, but start listening to what you say about yourself. Start listening or just watching how you treat yourself. Uh-huh. And then, you know, write out the scriptures. You know, um, I'm you were made in God's image in Genesis. You're fearfully and wonderfully made. You're my treasured possession. You're my glorious inheritance. And you are precious and honored in my sight, he says in Isaiah. Write those out on cards. 
and reflect on those each and every time you go down that path of self-berating or, you know, cutting yourself down because uh-huh. you your value isn't decreasing based on how you're viewing yourself because God says, your God reveals your value in Scripture, and that doesn't change. Uh-huh. It's how we view ourselves, and that's how we view our husbands. And so, again, every all of those scriptures are true about our husband, regardless of how he's behaving. Just to separate the two, so the way we can we can then apply that is to to not only look at our husband and choose to see the value in him, we can then treat him in valuable ways. It's to cherish and the nourish. There's a verse in Ephesians that talk about uh, not only cherishing and, and honoring, but also treating people in an honoring way. So, yes, and I think you mentioned that we're to yeah. look at our husbands as precious diamonds. Yeah. Right? Yeah, and yeah. when we see something that is so valuable, you know, you think about, you know, I, I know our, our daughter who's now 16, she'll love that I'm sharing this, she had this little uh, this little stuffed animal when she was about three years old, and it, her name was Gracie, and she adored Gracie. I didn't get Gracie's value because, you know, Gracie didn't mean anything to me, but Gracie meant the world to Murphy. Yeah. Murphy would not leave anywhere without Gracie. And one time we were going on a vacation, and every time uh, Murphy lost Gracie, she would have a temper tantrum because it was upsetting. <laughs> yeah. So we were going on a vacation, and my husband, who you know, Greg, um, went out and he bought a bunch of Gracie's. So whenever Murphy lost him, he could get a new one. <laughs> and someone once said, you know, that's lying to your child. I was like, it wasn't me. It was my husband. <laughs> Pray for that man. And so we, we were going on vacation, and Greg realized that we were out of Gracie's. And so literally Murphy, through her tears, pretty much said, you know what? I want you to take Gracie on the trip and I'll stay home because she valued Gracie so much. She was willing to sacrifice. We're going to Disney world. Yeah. She was willing to sacrifice her trip to Disney world for, because she valued Gracie so much. She wanted to take Gracie to take her place and that she would stay home. And, and that's exactly what we're talking about. That when we see our spouse with such great value, and when, when the hard times come, we're going to be willing to treat them in valuable ways because we see their value. Make a list. You know, there was something that you were attracted to when you first met him. Uh-huh. When you decided that this is who I want to spend the rest of my life with. Uh-huh. And sometimes when our hearts are really closed down or hardened, we forget. And it's, it's hard to remember. What is it that I loved about this man? Yes. Go back. Think yes. back. Reminisce about what it was. What did, what did you think the first time you saw him? And, you know, write all that down. What did you think as you got to know him? What was it about his personality that you enjoyed? And, and reflect on those things, especially when you're hurt. Go back and look at what is true about myself. Right. Explain what it means to put honor into action, as you define the term, to nourish. Why can't a woman nourish her spouse or anyone else in her life if she isn't already well-nourished herself? And how does guarding your heart relate to the concept of nourishing? And what are practical ways a woman can guard her heart? Yeah, and you know, nourishing, I've, I've said a little bit about it. It's putting honor into action. Right. Because you can't just say, I love you. 
and then treat people in unloving ways, right? I mean, yeah. that doesn't go over because our, our actions speak how we feel. So treat them in honoring ways. And the greatest way to figure this out, have them complete this sentence. I feel loved when you fill in the blank. So oh. have them complete that sentence. And really what it reveals is what you can be doing to put the honor into action and to treat them in ways that speak love to them. Because it's probably going to be different than what speaks love to you. Uh-huh. And, and you know, it's so important. It's, it's just a, a goldmine of information to to see that, you know, what it is that, it, you know, and it goes in hand with love languages. And, right. Love you know, tanks the, and love banks and, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, Greg loves it when I sit and watch a... a television show with him, which is, you know, it may not be one that I am into, but if I sit down and watch it with him, he yes, loves that. so does Walter or love that, I, yeah. I go for a walk with him. You know, uh-huh. all those things speak love to him. So whether it, it, whether it speaks love to me or not, I have an opportunity. How am I going to show up? How am I going to be that, that wife God wants me to be? And I can do that through doing things that speak love to him. Yeah. I also love learning in your book that men like to walk side by side rather than face to face when you're walking mm-hmm. and talking. You that know, was a good that... little tip. I'm going to try that. <laughs> well, it's so, so funny because I have a 13-year-old son. Yeah. And, you know, if we go out to lunch and sit, you know, across from each other, it's hard yeah. for him to carry on a conversation. But if I go out in the driveway and shoot baskets with him, yeah. you know, he'll talk to me all night long. And yeah. that's Greg as well. That we, we often, it's so funny to me because often women will come to me and say, oh, he just won't talk to me, you know, and he, right. you know, he, he won't have a deep conversation with me. And, and just learning and educating ourselves and recognizing that we're different. Yeah. We are different in how we communicate. We're different in how we connect. And that's how God made us. Yeah. And so it's okay. We and want the DMC, you... the Deep Meaning Conversation, and they want to go to their cave. Yes, yes. <laughs> and it, isn't that the truth? Yes. <laughs> the man cave. And, you know, it's so important to understand that that is something that God put in them. Now, it's not okay to take it to the extreme. Right. But how do we understand it so we can then be creative in how we connect with them? Yes. Anyway, discuss how anger played a role in your life personally and what you learned about its impact on the marriage relationship. And do you believe anger is an issue many women experience but keep hidden because we feel we shouldn't be like men let it out more often when they want, they feel privileged? Why is it important to own your anger in order to heal? And how have you witnessed forgiveness as the essential antidote to full-blown anger? And what does it mean in practical terms to be willing to forgive. Yeah, you know, and I, I mentioned this earlier that anger is pr- it's just rampant in our yeah, society. Yeah. You think about you drive down the road, you accidentally cut in front of someone, and it's not like, hey, sorry, you're getting horns blown and right. fingers out the window, and you know, on and on. And yeah, it's, it's just you know, a part of our human nature, our Adam. Yeah, like, you know, yeah. like it said, I was raised in a yeah. home that. We, anger was very relevant, and it wasn't, you know, how we worked things out wasn't sitting down and having conversations. We would, you know, yell at each other and get it out and walk away, and that was that. And I tried I tried to apply that in my own marriage early on, and I remember I yelled at Greg 
you know, within the first couple months of our marriage, and he kind of just stared at me. <laughs> he didn't know what to do with it. Right. And it was because it, he didn't grow up in a home that was like that. Yeah. They, he grew up in a home, and he would say this, that they didn't really, they would kind of sweep things under the rug. And so neither extreme is going to lead you to where you want. Anger in and of itself isn't a sin. It's how we react to it. That's right. And think about Scripture. It says, yeah. you know, in your anger, do not sin. So it's right. you're going to be angry. Yeah. You're going to be hurt. You're going to be disappointed. Yeah. And especially in marriage, when you're married to an imperfect human being. And, and someone stumbling. who's different than you. And yeah. has different likes and dislikes. And don't sin. So don't react to it. And I grew up not knowing there was a different option. And it's been amazing to see how God has worked on me. Because especially with my dad, who was a, he was a man who was kind and gentle, but when he got mad, you had to watch out. Yeah. And this is something then that was passed on to me. Uh-huh. Yeah, sometimes realized, it is generational or yes, genetic. It is. Yeah. And uh-huh. it's, it's something that I didn't want to hand on. I didn't want to, I wanted to break that legacy. And it was yes. not, it's not an easy thing to break. But with the Lord's help and lots of prayer and understanding anger and learning about yeah, it. Yeah, learning that it's really a secondary emotion and there are yes. other things beneath it. Yeah, that and don't, yeah. it's just an emotion. That's like all it fear is. or hurt right. and frustration, disappointment. Someone even told me insecurity was beneath mm-hmm. his anger. Yeah, and it's a secondary emotion, and what do we do when we start feeling angry? You know, do we give into it? Because that's what we do naturally. I didn't know there was another option. Right. And really just learning some simple tools, you know, taking a time out when you start feeling your heart rate escalate, you know, and you go into this time out and you de-escalate. You want to get your heart rate back down. Right. And simply naming what you're feeling. You know, I'm feeling dishonored right now. I'm feeling disrespected. I'm feeling like things aren't fair. I'm feeling like my feelings aren't val- being valued or my ideas. That just saying what you're feeling actually helps to de-escalate you because there's been research done, brain research done, that shows that when you say, I am feeling whatever it is, it takes your brain activity from your amygdala, which is your hyperactivity center in your body, uh-huh. your brain, uh-huh. to your prefrontal cortex, which is your more rational part of your brain. So this helps you to physiologically calm down. Uh-huh. It's just simply naming it and then asking the Lord, what's true about this situation? Right. Because my husband sees it this way or even how I see it, that's not the truth. He is the source of truth. So right. turning this all over to him is a key. And then, you know, to taking it to the next step of forgiveness. Yeah. And, you you know, forgiveness is essential. We, we are going to be hurt. We are going to be disappointed. We are going to be frustrated. But we have choices then to turn it into bitterness and resentment in a closed, hardened heart. Right. Or to, you know, forgiveness is the anecdote to that. It's the way we can untie. If, if anger was a rope with knots in it, forgiveness is the, the key to untying those knots. Right. It's not to invalidate what you've experienced. It's not to forget it. But it's, an, it's a choice that we have. And this is something I went through with my dad. Uh-huh. Regardless of how he was behaving, I had a choice. And it yeah. kept my heart open. And just recently, we had this amazing um, healing in our relationship. Praise he asked God. me, um, we were sitting at breakfast one morning, and he said, you know, hey, Aaron, how was I as a dad? And I, I almost fell over because yeah. I didn't even know how to respond right. to a question like that. 
And so I, I, since I didn't know how to respond, I got up and I went into the bathroom at the restaurant and called Greg. <laughs> and I said, what do I say to this? And he said, well, ask him why he's asking you this now. Yeah. And so I did. And basically through tears, he said, I know there's mistakes that I've made. Uh-huh. And anger is one of them. And, I mean, I never in a million years thought that I was going to have that conversation with my dad, uh-huh. that he would be brought to that place. But I was ready. I was open. I had forgiven him, and I was ready to receive it. Forgiveness it, is a journey, isn't it? No, oh, it is. Yeah. Yeah. And uh-huh. you know, it's the same in our marriage, that when our spouse hurts us, because they will, they're humans, not yeah. probably even intentionally, sometimes right. intentionally. But they have their own stuff going on. Yeah. So if we can go through this process, regardless of what they're doing, then when they come around, if they do, they may not. They, you know, that our hearts are open, they're alive, our hearts are alive and filled with God's truth, and we're living that abundant life in the Lord. Yes. Anyway, sexual intimacy and simple communication are common challenges mm, uh, yeah. women admit facing in their marriages. And how can spouses be proactive about understanding the vast differences between themselves and each other? And why must a woman become aware of her own internal dialogue and its effect on how she dialogues with her spouse? And what are some of the practical tips for bridging the communication gap for a wife to pursue her husband? And for experiencing the benefits of healthy intimacy. Yeah. You know, communication, we talked a little bit about it earlier, just the the differences that, you know, we like face-to-face conversation, eye contact. We have hand gestures and body movements as we talk. And we use communication to connect and to intimacy and um, very different goals. We want to just connect. Well, guys, they need space. They they like they like to talk side to side. They like to be doing something when they're talking. They and they when they're talking, they want to point. They want to solve something. So it's very different um, in how we connect and communicate. And you know, first and foremost, how are we communicating with ourselves? The messages we're sending ourselves are uh-huh. going to impact then how we communicate and connect with ourselves. We talked a little bit about this. There's a an analogy that my father-in-law uses about a crockpot. I don't know if you Oh, yeah, that the crockpot. Yeah, that, men. you know, men are, sexually, men are like microwave ovens and women yeah, are like, like crockpots. Right. To the experience. Yeah. Versus in connecting with communication, we're like the microwave ovens. We can go to these deep levels quickly and connect at the deep level just in a blink of an eye, where men, they're much more like the crockpot, warming gently into the conversation, very different than us. But the same differences exist within our sexual relationships. And for women, we are such, sexuality and connecting emotionally uh, has to, that's, that's how we start the warm-up process for sexuality. I know you're talking about emotional intercourse. Could you yes. describe that yeah. a little further? That, that really, through emotional intercourse, that's laying the groundwork for an actual um, encounter, that the most intimate experience that God gave us in our marriage. That you wanted involved with soul, spirit, and body. Could you yes. embellish upon that a bit? Yeah, that it's it's a um, it's a full body experience for us. 
it is, you know, it's our heart, it's our mind, it's our soul, it's our emotions, you know, that we, you know, experience all of that in the, just the simple act of, of having sex with our husbands, connecting physically, versus for him, this is how he connects. <clears throat> he connects by being intimate with us. And that's such a need that they have. And <clears throat> for us, we then, how are we going to show up as a wholehearted wife that, you know, we're preparing our heart for sex, that we're talking about our feelings, we're sharing how we feel, and, you know, we have non-sexual, tu non-sexual touch with our spouse. We're initiating that with our spouse. And, you know, we're preparing our soul. We're praying together. We're talking about what God is teaching us. And we're preparing our mind. We begin as women thinking about that we're going to, you know, have, we're going to have a sexual encounter tonight. So a good friend of mine, Julie Slattery, talks about writing T.S. on your calendar. Right, <laughs> right, right. And I love your Robert Byrne quote, anyone who believes that the way to a man's heart is through his stomach flunk geography. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, yeah, that, yeah, you know, that if you're feeling disconnected from your spouse, going through these, preparing yourself for this experience, it's amazing what it does for a marriage. Yes, right. And they say that, um, you know, if it's a frequent thing that you both agree on, um, it might sound funny, but at least once a month, that you live three or more years longer, and you're healthier, yes. and you're more vibrant, and yes. you're happier. And if yes. you don't have that, that, yeah. um, that uh, it often leads to divorce. Yes. And, um, such, yeah. A, it's a gift that yes. God gave us in our marriage, and you think about it. And people are embarrassed your, to talk about it. What's that? They're, they're embarrassed to talk about it oftentimes. Right. The husband and wife, it's like, you know, yeah, something they an, can't talk about. I mean, right. It's a conversation that's you know, often difficult. Yeah. Because if it's, if it's not happening, then... You know, we're feeling guilty, they're feeling disconnected, and, you know, bring it up. Talk about it. Let him know that you desire him. You yeah. want to talk about getting to his heart. Um, you know, he wants you to pursue him. He also wants to pursue you, so allow him to woo you into this experience and to date you uh -huh. and to, you know, respond when he initiates. Also, take the, the time to initiate with him. He likes to be pursued. And it's in a legitimate need for yes. a man. Yes. And you want to help Physically. him battle sexual temptation? Yeah, let me say this. I absolutely have to share with our listeners what you wrote about that topic. And it yeah. is this on page 133. It includes wanting to fully understand him and welcoming your husband the appetite that expresses his masculinity. It involves striving with him through weakness and temptation and covering his fears and failures. And no magazine, no co-worker, no yeah. porn site can be this teammate and confidant for your husband. This yeah. is your place. This is your power. And yeah. this is your gift. So unwrap it. I just yeah. love that. That is so good. You know, and it is true that yes. that is what we have to offer. 
And yeah. if we don't want him, I mean, we can't, again, control him, what he's going to ultimately choose to do. Yes. And we must realize it. Yeah, and we must remember that God is a God of healing and restoration mm -hmm. because um, if you don't have that, if you can um, trust him to heal your relationship, you, you can trust him to heal your relationship and restore the intimacy he intended for your marriage if it has gone. As I mentioned, that researcher that you brought up, Denise Donnelly, found that couples who do not have physical intimacy at least once a month are more likely to have unhappy marriages that end yeah. in divorce. So you can pray and trust that the Lord will give you restoration even in the darkest yes. and most hopeless of situations. He yes. is powerful to save even in that regard. You can trust him that mm -hmm. he will heal and restore Amen. the intimacy he intended. Yeah, amen. Yeah. Absolutely. He has, we have, we used to do these marriage intensives to where couples would come to us in the brink of divorce. And it wasn't what we did, it was what God did. Because God is the great healer. And he would show up in just these miraculous ways. These couples would walk in and we'd think, there's no way that they're going to walk out of here united. And they would. Yes. Because they were willing. Yes. And willing to lay whatever it was down before the Lord. And the Lord shows up in ways that we can never imagine. Yes. And he does what he does in miraculous, powerful ways. He's a great healer. Yes. He desires us to... To be in, these, in this relationship, and he wants it to be a healthy, vibrant relationship. Yes. He doesn't want you to exist in a mediocre marriage. Yes, yes, so exactly. What can you be doing as a wife right. to show up, to, in, to assert the gifts that God has given you, to be a full, wholehearted teammate? Right, exactly, exactly. You know, I want to, um, as we leave each other, share your last paragraphs in this wonderful book of yours because they are just so filled with such wonderful things. And I'm going to start with Galatians 6.9, which you give us, Let us not lose heart in doing good, for in due time we will reap if we do not grow weary. And it's something uh, that our... Pastor's wife recently spoke to our pastor and it brought tears to his eyes. It touched his soul. It's so beautiful. And you mentioned, I love that Stormy O'Martian, um, O'Martian, uh, Prayer, Lord, I confess the times I've been unloving, critical, angry, resentful, disrespectful, or unforgiving toward my husband. Help me to put aside any hurt, anger, or disappointment I feel, and forgive him the way you do, totally and completely. No looking back. Make me a tool of reconciliation, peace, and healing in this marriage. Make me my husband's helpmate, companion, champion, friend, and support. Help me to create a peaceful, restful, and again, that wonderful word from the smallies, safe place for him to come mm. to. Teach me how to take care of myself and stay attractive to him. Grow me into a creative and confident woman who is rich in mind, soul, and spirit. Make me the kind of woman he can be proud of to say I'm his wife. And then finally, 
Help me to become as you have called us to become, Erin, the wholehearted wife described so well in Proverbs 31, 11, 12. Her husband can trust her, and she will greatly enrich his life. She brings him good, not harm, all the days of her life. So as we say our goodbyes, just as you do, we pray blessings on our husbands and all our listeners' husbands and on their marriages and on you, Erin, for giving us this gift of your new book and all the smallies, uh, your father-in-law and wonderful husband. And as you continue to journey toward becoming all our listeners, as you've called us to be a wholehearted wife. Thank you, Erin, and God bless you. Thank you so much. That was beautiful. (laughs) God bless you. God bless you as well. Thank Thank you you so much. And say hi to Dr. Greg and Dr. Gary for me. I sure will. I sure will. Okay, goodbye and God bless for now. Okay. Bye. Thank you. Have a great day. You too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. I'll take the bad times. I'll take you just the way you